Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. This week you get two wonderful guests for the price of one. Not that we're charging anything even for one. Uh, they are the filmmaking duo known as Lord and Miller. I don't know if they're really known as that, but that's what they actually are. Phil Lord and Chris Miller are uh, the directing talents behind Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, 21 Jump Street, The Lego Movie, and now... 22 Jump Street, which I have seen, which we talk about at length. Not really any spoilers here, don't worry. What is there to really spoil about a big action comedy anyway? Um, but they uh, they really uh, hit it out of the park again with 22 Jump Street, which is a tough uh, act to follow after 21 Jump Street surprised so many. Uh, they talk about the art of the comedy sequel, they talk about the Lego movie, uh, and their humble beginnings um, in animation, uh, creating a show that some of you may know called Clone High, which has a bit of a cult following. Um, these guys are great. They are uh, absurdly young and talented and funny and uh, and uh, and just a good time to hang around with and, and chat about movies. They're big movie geeks like myself, so I had a blast. I always have a blast talking to these guys, and they are, um, as I said, they're on a hell of a hot streak and um, huge films being dangled in their faces, but they are making all the right moves right now. So uh, you guys, I know, will enjoy this conversation. Uh, before we get into the chat, as always, I want to remind you to hit me up on Twitter, Joshua Horowitz. Let me know who you want to hear. Uh, check out all our stuff on mtvnews.com and afterhours.mtv.com. Lots of cool stuff coming your way. We're in the middle of summer movie season, which means I am talking to some of the hugest stars on the planet about their ginormous blockbusters, which is a lot of fun. It's just uh, uh, really uh, wish fulfillment for me as a, as a kid if I had known that I would get to cover these movies that I was obsessed with um, going to, you know, every uh, every weekend in the summer seeing these movies multiple times. Now I get to see them for free and talk to the stars and directors for free. So be annoyed at me, but hopefully enjoy uh, the spoils uh, on mtvnews.com and afterhours.mtv.com and on the podcast. As always, please enjoy the podcast and rate it on iTunes, review it on iTunes, and just spread the word. Uh, this has been so much fun, and we continue to uh, book uh, all the guests I hope you want to hear. They're showing me the people I want to talk to. So um, Lord and Miller certainly fit that bill, and I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. So without any further ado, here are Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I apologize in advance. This, I mean, you th would think MTV would be able to afford two mics, one for each of you. We don't need it. We no, don't need it. What's you tell us what sounds good. You, have you want us to put it in the middle? In the middle, I think. In the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's but fine. The difference. How do we differentiate your voices? You can't. It's impossible. impossible. You can't. We both have nerdy voices. The super <laughs> funny one is Phil. <laughs> Anything that is embarrassing is nerdy, cr it's me. Chris. Nerdy that's voice Chris. number one is Chris. Nerdy, nerdy voice yeah. number two. Exactly. How are people, the three of us, that's <laughs> literally going to sound like one yeah. monologue? Wait a second. Are you saying I have a nerdy voice? Impossible. No, 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 no. So, Chris My, and Phil. Who's, yeah, whose voice is going to crack first? That's the real test. Does this thing never stop? It's kind of like in the movie. That's right. This is the inception of wow, Totem. incredible. I like to test whether... never ends. I want to know if this is reality or not, and apparently this is not reality. Apparently this is a nightmare. So I can just this leave is, wait, yeah. If it falls, it's that means it's a nightmare, or if, you know, if, it, fall, if it never real. falls, it's... If it never falls, it means, it means that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio gets another now, $10 million. No, it's not a dream. <laughs> Isn't that right? It's not a dream. No, it means... 
you have to get Michael Caine to bring your kids to Europe. <laughs> you got to just call him on the phone. <laughs> Say, hey, maybe. Like, hey, could you just bring the kids? Instead of just okay. complicated dream credits. Thing. Rarely is it my job to bring sanity to a conversation, but I'm going to try. Let's just, let's, let's, let's just bear down for a second. Okay. Gentlemen. Hello. Welcome. There's no official welcome. Don't oh, okay. worry. How okay, does it start? Yeah. It has well, we to start. Started. It started when oh, you wow. walked in. So that all stuff, that's in it. That was great. That was real personal. Uh, congratulations on the movie, though, guys. Thanks Thank a lot. You. No, it's honestly great. Uh, you must be feeling good. Um, I don't know if you were screening it before this week. As we taped this, this is uh, uh, the week before, the week of opening. Um, but It didn't uh, exist before this week. <laughs> I was going to say, because I know the schedule this time around, frankly, Very was tight. a lot tighter. Yes. Was that a little Very bit tight. of a uh, daunting task when you agree? Because I know you were wrestling whether to go back and do the sequel, too. I mean, that's a... Uh, yeah, honestly, this, the, the speed of it was an advantage. Because yeah. it felt like, oh, we can, this is what we told ourselves, it'll be fresh. Like, we won't be able to overwork it. Second guess it. yourself. Exactly. exactly. We'll have to first guess ourselves. But it just meant that we were working uh, longer hours every day. Yes. Right. It was, uh, yeah. For any future out. sequel filmmakers out there, <laughs> that is uh, yeah, You know, it was very, true. very tight, uh, but, um, and we had a lot of stuff that we shot, like a lot. Our first cut was almost four hours long, so yeah. wow. uh, getting it down under two hours. First, we wanted to get it to Wolf of Wall Street length, and then <laughs> we wanted to get it under two hours. And then the funniest movie of the year, Wolf of Wall yes. Street. So. I, I did miss well, the, the, the a lot of funny it was, but I did yeah. miss the uh, the orgy on the plane sequence that you guys yes. shot. Mm. That's too bad. It's too bad that, that I had believe me. We're sorry Blu-ray. we missed it too. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's funny because, like, oftentimes, as you know, like, sometimes stuff in the trailer doesn't end up in the film, and, and I get annoyed about that. In this mm-hmm. case, I'm not because the film is so good, and it's like, obviously, you guys found the cut that worked the best. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, I mean, how close to where we are now were you actually cutting the film? Like, how, when did you, oh. when did you oh, lock the film? We finished the sound mix a couple weeks ago, wow. like okay. two weeks ago. Um, so like two weeks ago today. Yeah. <laughs> so does was it because it's it's kind of a, a, again like I say a daunting task to take on. We were talking as you walked in. You noticed my Vigo the Carpathian poster. Yes. Speaking of the comedy sequels, yes. yeah. uh, one could spend an hour <laughs> arguing the merits of Ghostbusters two or not. But Vigo first, clearly the best part. First right? half great. First half of the movie is great. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Peter McNichol good in it. <laughs> <laughs> once the, the once the toaster starts to hop up and down, exactly. maybe exactly <laughs> right. That is literally the point where you should just turn off the, the DVD and yeah, go go make some eggs or something. But Peter McNichol, amazing in it, A super delight. funny, and Vigo. Great is, to see the guys back together again. Yeah. yeah. So so I mean the the ratio of comedy sequels, as you well know, that are actual successes. Not even, I'm not even talking financial. I'm talking just like quality mm-hmm. is frankly pretty low. What it is a tricky, a tricky thing to pull I, off. Why is it hard? Why I really is it, don't know. So many reasons. But why is it harder than just a sequel? Right. Well, because well, because Bad Boys Two obviously better than Bad Boys One. Exactly. Right. Uh, and comedy is because uh, it's longer. Because <laughs> there's right. more. Because there's more of it. Comedy is based on surprise, right? You're not expecting right. something, and then a sequel is sort of giving people more of what they like, I think, and then you're just sort of often rehashing the same bits from before, and it's not a surprise. It's more like a familiar friend, and right. uh, and so then it becomes kind of a bummer. It's because comedy is supposed yeah, to surprise you a little bit. surprising and fresh and, and, <clears throat> and, and mix it up, and so that's what we were trying to do with this was sort of like give you sort of the, the beats that everyone knows you have to do because it's a sequel, but right. then try and mix it up along the way. And, and one of the things I, I, I know and appreciate about this film, and I, and I wonder it must have been a, a balance for you guys too, was to figure out kind of like how – 
how self-referential it is because there's a, there are a lot of references to kind of like yes like the things that people pour on to sequels yes. to yes. make the to seemingly make them better that don't necessarily actually add up there were more it's impossible to believe there were more. <laughs> really, uh, you always have to find the balance in how like meta and self-aware you're trying to think be. of like the most memorable one that we cut out, but I don't. Oh man, know of it. Like I feel like deeper. There was. It's going to be on the DVD, but at the end of the movie, oh, they yeah. had a conversation about. So this is like. This is really similar to the last mission that we had. <laughs> like, no, they went totally on. Different. No, 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 no. I got, I got shot, shot in the other arm. <laughs> totally different. Like, so, yeah, totally different. And, and Daytime, now at the end. It was nighttime at the end last time. and then Amazing. We liked it. We thought it kind of protected us a little bit. But when we showed it to audiences, like that right. was the breaking point. Oh, like, really? Don't tell me that the thing I just saw sucks. Right. <laughs> I want to think. I want to come out thinking. Right, don't that question it was my good. judgment. I thought it was yeah. good until you told me it wasn't exactly. good. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good lesson. Another yeah. lesson for future filmmakers. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Don't bag on the movie at the end. <laughs> Do it at the beginning. Yeah. That's what and we then did. beat the lowered expectations. It does also feel like you poured you and the writers like poured everything into this one to almost like back yourselves into a corner about like could you even conceivably make a third one? And if you do, it's going to be, frankly, really difficult because of like how much cool stuff you've poured into, especially the end of, um, end of this one. Was that something kind of discussed in terms of like... A scorched earth policy? Yeah, I've got to screw the third one. If, we get, if somehow that happens, great. We'll figure that out if we get it's, there. Uh, yeah, problem, problem for our future selves to solve. Well, you know, we, we found that people wanted to see those guys together, and we thought, what better way to sort of send up uh, sequels than to really let everyone see them together forever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom for all eternity together. Yeah. Um, but there was an alternate ending. Yeah, we had. We where they were like, I got a new mission for you. Like, Hugh was on the beach going, I have a new mission for you. And they said, Nah, man, I'm. I'm done. Never, <laughs> never doing this again. <laughs> like, no, depressing. thank you. But like, it made everybody sad. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Was um. Well, let's go back to like when you guys. I, I want to go way back in, in a little bit about uh, the beginnings of your collaboration, but the beginning of this particular one. Um, how did Jump Street come to you? Like, how fully formed was it when it kind of came across as a potential the project? First the one? first one, yeah. There was a really funny script by Michael Bacall, and and Jonah, and they. Um, we read it and felt it's a really crazy idea for a movie. It's really gonzo. Bacall has like a really cool tone, and it didn't have enough heart or feeling. And so, we had just come off of Cloudy, where we had spent four years basically learning how to put heart and feeling into a comedy and how that can make it funnier. And so, we thought that we could do that for Jump Street. Whether we accomplish that or not, I, I don't know. But <laughs> but that was our pitch. Yeah, we got we thought we wanted to do like the opposite of what we did on Cloudy with Sense of Me Ballcrying. Let an R rated action comedy with Jonah Hill seem like right. pretty different. <laughs> and so we, we pitched ourselves hard and luckily we had a good relationship with the studio because the same studio that made Cloudy and uh, we knew Jonah socially from comedy circles and uh but then we had to suckers like, and gave us the job. And we had to, had to convince Neil Moritz. Mm -hmm. Where, so we like cut together like a five minute action reel from Cloudy. Oh really? That was like just like explosions and stuff. <laughs> 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 yeah. See, you didn't know it, but we actually made a crazy action movie. We made movie an action though. movie yeah. and and uh, and he saw it and after thirty seconds he's like, Okay, I get it, I get, I get it, it. I get it, that's fine. 
the most uh, sad validation for yeah. like a encouragement. Yeah, okay, yeah. whatever. I get, okay. I get it. Okay, so I get it. It's a good introduction to Neil H. Brown. Yeah. Was uh so obviously Jonah was on board then. Was Channing on board then? Jonah no. Channing was not on board, and we had lots of discussions about who would be, and we often uh, Jonah and we would say like someone like Channing Tatum, like but younger. Ultimately, <laughs> 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 we're like. You know what? Let's just let's just go for this guy, and then yeah. Jonah called him up, and then we had dinner with him, and it was very clear that he was a hilarious guy and no sort of an untapped resource. It's funny because I remember when I visited you guys on set of that first one. I don't know if it was just like him portraying something different than how he actually felt, but he he still seemed nervous and wary of his oh, comedic yeah. skills. Did you feel like there was a little bit of hand holding and validation, like no, you're really nailing this? Because he is like honestly. The the MVP. I mean, Jonah's amazing, but he's the he's the the superstar that kind of emerged out he's of this. He's the surprise, yeah. of that, especially that first movie. And he was very preoccupied with being funny, which is so dangerous yeah. on set because the minute somebody's doing that in their head, they're not in the scene, and then they stop being funny, and you feel like they're trying too hard. So our advice to him was always, don't worry about it. You're funny. <laughs> like, you're funny. Just be, just be yourself. yourself. Yeah. Uh, and Jonah was there to be like, I'm gonna. I'll throw you lines if you want them, and I'm gonna make sure that you have funny things in the scene. And we kept reassuring him. And really, he is so gifted and just naturally funny. Yeah. Um. It, it ended up being really easy. Like once he got, once he got comfortable yeah. being himself, and uh, and so then obviously the second time he was less nervous. Right. Because he realized that was he's not going to embarrass himself. Well, he had an intention, you know. He he was like, "Um, uh, you know, we were like we wrote this incredibly dumb character <laughs> for him." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, but and he wanted his first instinct was I want to do something a little broader, you know, and I have a friend and he does this crazy voice and I want to do that." And they're like, "I think it's better if you just the way, you know, they talk about if you want to play drunk as an actor, you need to play someone who's trying, trying to not sit to up straight. Yeah, exactly. The guy's trying to prove that he's not drunk. Yes. And that's how you can do it. So this one was like, try to prove that you're smart. Right. Instead of trying to be dumb. And then he brought this incredible thing to his ideas. Like, I'm going to play that I'm trying to get Jonah to fall in love with me in every scene. <laughs> in the first one. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> it made the whole movie. Were you, how aware were you guys of, like, the scrutiny and stuff? Like, did, were you able to kind of have tunnel vision? Because like, I'll, I'll confess, I, I was doing a little research <laughs> uh, about this today. Was it just like, Jump Street's probably going to suck? Literally. Like, okay, so I want to show you this. Because we can laugh about this now because it's awesome and everybody knows it. But, like, literally, this was, like, the deadline Hollywood story when Channing, like, joined. Don't read comments. That's another good piece of advice. <laughs> did you like read this these? Is the, is the first like, time no, but are they? They sound good. Comments? It's like I think Shane Tame's a horrible choice. Uh, great, another studio ruining a great TV show by making a stupid movie about it. And Jonah Hill, seriously, won't be wasting my time or money on this one. Uh, <laughs> uh, What's that guy's name? <laughs> we'll find him. We'll find him. That is um, Random Reedy. Oh, yeah. Random Reedy. Random yeah, Reedy. Good. <laughs> Eat your uh, words, classic. my friend. There are like dozens of these, and, and and they, of course, are not worst cast ever. I like that from yeah. Matt. <laughs> Matt. Oh my god, I know someone named Matt. And Matt, that's so rude. <laughs> but I mean, were you guys like reading the stuff at the time, or were you? Try, I try not to read like internet comments. They yeah. are. Uh... We probably did, though. I'm sure. We I'm did. sure we did at that moment. Oh, like, yeah. oh no. Did you They're feel? Did, I mean, did you feel like a lot of confidence coming? Uh, I mean, you, you know, that was your first live action feature. 
Um, Cloudy had been a huge success, but one could argue it's apples and oranges or not. Yeah. Um, oh, we were super nervous. We were super nervous, and you know, our first week on set had like this extended sixteen-hour day to include Johnny Depp in the movie, and it was like a a big secret. It was the because of Johnny's schedule, we had to shoot the climactic uh, penthouse like gun battle scene first. Right. And by the time we got to Johnny's day, it was like, which was the third day, it was the most time we had spent on a live action set in our lives, in any capacity, as like a PA, as anything. So we were thrown into the deep end of the pool. So how are you in a situation where like Johnny Depp shows up that day and like well, was that the first time you were meeting him or yes. had you? Well, we met him actually. We met, oh, we him, met him at, at a, a party. party. I forgot about that. And okay. pitched him the idea, and he was like, "Yeah," um, and he had some uh, crazy ideas. And we're like, "Literally, you, that, you we could be don't wearing, care. Uh, you wear a panda suit. I don't care. Whatever works. We'll figure out a way to make it work in the movie." So in that situation where you've had relatively limited interaction with him, mm. and this is a full-on huge action sequence, the beginning of the shoot, yeah. Johnny Depp shows up. Yes. Like, are you, like, internally, like, freaking out as you're talking to him? Yes. Or are you <laughs> absolutely freaking out every moment of that day? Um, and he was like, he wanted to get a banjo for the scene. You were like, what? <laughs> and so then... He, he <laughs> like, throws himself into yeah. the... Um, the the makeup and costuming part yeah, as yeah, you might expect yeah. that's his like character development and he's sitting there in the makeup chair going oh this would be cool Got this it. would be cool that's like kind of how he so does we, it like you know we offered him like a whole bunch of different crazy tattoos that he could have and like a <laughs> bunch of different uh, choices but then one of the things he requested apparently was a a banjo sure and so then we we were like I don't know the banjo we were I have to admit we were against the banjo. <laughs> So he's supposed to be like, metal he was as supposed a... to be in like a motorcycle gang <laughs> with like all these other tough looking so guys, then, and it seems crazy if he wore so, a banjo. So then the prop person like went to go get a banjo, and we no, were like, no, we we no, yeah. we convinced Johnny. We're like, you know, it's it's you know we're running yeah. a little short on time, and maybe the banjo isn't worth it, and it, we might have to wait for it. Meanwhile, we're in New Orleans. There is a banjo and a music shop like around <laughs> every corner. You can literally right. hear the soft strumming right. of a banjo so nearby. We convinced him we're like we don't th- we don't he's need like, to do right, the banjo. He's like, all right, I guess we don't need to do the banjo. That's fine. And then we like walk out of his trailer, and then the prop guy's carrying a banjo. No. Like, Hide the banjo! Hide the banjo! But he was so proud. He's like, guys, I got one. We literally stuffed it in like a cooler. <laughs> Maybe he was te- maybe he was testing you. Maybe he yeah. was testing your metal as as relative you think young that. filmmakers and yeah. like offering up absurd ideas and see where you would actually stop him. Right. And you passed. You did it. We passed, we passed. The, the banjo test. That <laughs> was oh, the, the straw. He does that on all his films. Johnny's banjo <laughs> We literally said yes to every other whim that he had, however small. Was there any uh, discussion about how you could resurrect Johnny Depp for, for this we one? We talked about it. Uh, we briefly. talked about him being a ghost. Yeah, being a ghost. <laughs> you killed me. <laughs> uh, but we decided it was like, we had enough crazy stuff in the right. <laughs> Um, I wonder, did, did you guys see that video like last week or two that someone created about like uh, comedy direction? It was like a oh, that's funny. 
I, I haven't seen you it. You guys should check this out. It's, it's, it's just a guy that says, like, yeah, roll the cameras. No, and no, then it's actually the opposite. Away. It's interesting. It's kind of <laughs> this guy that, like, talks a lot about Edgar Wright in particular uh-huh. and about how great he is with a camera and how he can. He's a very he, talented guy. Yeah, and how, how he uses the camera to accentuate comedy uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and add to it. And I would, frankly, put you guys in that category, too. Um, and how a lot of filmmakers. Um, that make comedies, frankly, feel a little lazy with a camera. I mean, I don't know if you would agree with that or not. Do you feel like there is a, a tendency in well, comedies it, where in you're... In defense of laziness, I would say that it's a very legitimate choice to say, in comedy, keep the camera simple. Keep mm-hmm. everything simple. Make the lighting dumb. Make everything dumb so yeah. that the jokes and the comedic performances can come out. Mm-hmm. We're not really of that philosophy, but... but. There is a. It makes sense to me. There's also a thing about comedy, which is when people are improvising a lot, it's a lot easier to cross shoot, which means you have to light for both sides, and so it it looks a little bit uh, more basic, and you can't really move the camera or do anything too interesting with the camera because then when someone improvises and someone responds, otherwise you have to shoot one side and make it all cool, and then have like a a list like a mile long of every improv that person did and try and recreate the magic on the other side and it's a big pain in the butt. Totally. And Edgar like designs shots yes. around jokes. Yes. Which is really scary because if the joke doesn't land, you're like stuck with There's that. no coverage <laughs> of yeah. that but moment. Yeah. <laughs> he does something very clever. You know, he does a lot of really clever things in editing, but one of them is he does really clever versions of dropping out frames and allowing like for a really smart version of basically a whip pan right. off of one scene onto another. Right. And then he uses um, foreground like wiping elements, so he'll have like, I don't know how he does it, but it's almost like he does it in front of a green screen and uses somebody walking in front to like get you elegantly in and out of a scene. Totally. Yeah. So, do you, I mean, who, uh, who would you count among, uh, not, not necessarily among your peers, but like growing up, who were the... The comedies or comedy filmmakers that were kind of your touchstones, and were they similar? Did you guys have like I, I would assume when you guys got together, you we related like on a, a lot of. We love Billy Wilder and Chuck Jones. You know, <laughs> and, <laughs> those guys that are the and same. Hal Ashby. Hal Ashby. We we'll get Billy. roasted for yeah. saying that, but that's that's not we're not comparing ourselves to him, but we certainly aspire yeah. to yeah. something like that. Like Harold someday. and Rod was something that we connected on early in college when we met. Yeah, and that and that movie has like slapstick scenes, and mm-hmm. it's got very moving, warm scenes, and very dry, um, kind of sarcastic scenes in it. So that's he's probably my yeah favorite. But also, you know, Mel Brooks, especially uh, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein for <laughs> me, that was yeah. it. I mean, that blew my mind when I yeah, saw. it. I think I've seen that maybe more than any other film in my life. And then <laughs> and then the Jerk. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is another, like, crazy masterpiece. So where is your guys' head at? Because I know you've got, like, half a dozen projects, like, in terms of (laughs) development and stuff. And the the Lego movie was was an amazing success that I want to talk to you guys a little bit about, too. But, like, you know, you mentioned things like Hal Ashby and Harold and Maude and stuff. And, like, all your films have had, like, amazing heart at the core and emotion and the characters' work, which is why I think audiences – why they're as successful as they are in addition to the jokes, one would argue. But there's a, a broadness right now, certainly to the Jump Street stuff. Yes. Like, do you, do you, I, mean, I mean, do you want to, like, operate in a, in a, in a sphere where it's, it, there's more subtlety, where there's, like, less broadness in comedy? Is, is, there, is that an aspiration? or It's always trying to find a, a balance. And then we try to make sure that the characters 
feel real and that the stakes of the of the movie feel real and that we find that if you buy into that stuff you can sort of get away with whatever you yeah. want uh and uh i mean it just sort of depends on what the project is you know I, there's like a lot of different types of movies that you can do and it, each story sort of needs its own tone yeah or it I, would be hard to make a, a, a hal ashby toned movie out of 22 Jump Street, for example. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't, right. every time you try to do that, it doesn't want to do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Neil Moritz does not want that. No, <laughs> and the actors also don't want that. They want to, like, they want to like, riff and, and, you know, yeah. and, and generate material on the day, and it's not, just, it's, it's not that kind of beast. I, I'm, I hope our career is long enough to include stuff like that. Yeah. How, how, how do you feel, I mean, this, this year in particular for you guys, um, Lego Movie, I mean, I haven't looked at Rotten Tomatoes or anything, but it does feel like it's, like, the most beloved movie of the year. <laughs> like, it was beyond a box office hit. Like, no, I don't know anybody that didn't love that film. Um, did that, I mean, obviously you believed in it and loved it. It was, a, it was a long labor of love. But, like, the fact that it resonated and, and people said such kind things, it's got to be a, 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 a nice moment. Relief is really the only emotion that... The only positive emotion, emotion you can feel in this <laughs> Um, yeah, I remember we were doing the sound mix this January when we were supposed to be editing this movie, <coughs> and uh, uh, and looking at it, going like, "Gosh, we worked so hard on this thing, and so many people put so much into it, and it was yeah. a great team of amazing crew and and other filmmakers that we worked with, and and we were like, wow, this has so much in it. I hope people appreciate it. I hope people like." don't just dismiss it as a toy movie. And right. It was such a relief to see that people actually um, noticed all the hard work. And it's crazy. Yeah. I remember saying, looking at you being like, this movie is oh, yeah. nuts. <laughs> people are either going to like it's reject it. It's really weird. Yeah, it's it, In weird. a thousand different ways. Yeah. I mean, taking yeah. aside even like a, one thing I want to mention is like a spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. and you probably have twice by now. But like the but the third act mm-hmm. is is – you know, is a is a huge surprise, and I mean, was 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 the feral live action stuff always intended to be in there? It was, and was always it? part of it. Yeah, it was always. We thought we were going to have to fight really hard to keep it from getting bigger, because we we thought, oh, well, once you cast a movie star in this part, like the studio, they're going to want it everywhere. Yeah, they're going to they, want it in the trailer. They ever, they're going to want it. Everywhere. Did they ever want to? No. As a matter of fact, it was the opposite. Yeah, it was convincing all of ourselves that it w- didn't break the movie to go there and and teasing it just enough so that it made sense when you went there but you were still surprised and then not staying there too long we had longer cuts of that stuff yeah and people wanted to get back into the lego world yeah so uh, we had a test screening where it was kind of make or break for that stuff we were prepared to do all kinds of crazy things to to take it out and and then there was like, so Will, you know, we were in live action world and the audience is just silent, kind of putting it together. And then Will Ferrell shows up and the minute they know it's him, there's this huge laugh and then they love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's an advertisement for Will Ferrell being cast in movies. I mean, yeah. he is, uh, yeah, I, people ask me, I mean, just even in terms of people to interview, he is the most, like, fun person to be around, yeah, period. So nice. Smartest, yeah, funniest guy. guy, mm-hmm. that guy is. Yeah. Um, so. 
we're in the MTV building, so I feel like we should yeah. bring up Clone High a, li- oh, yeah. a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> what are you? What are your memories? Because ninety-eight percent of your audience, <laughs> but that wasn't asleep. that wasn't intended as an MTV show, right? At first, that was that for Fox. Is that what I read? Fox. For Fox, yeah. How did and it end up over it, here? And we made uh, the person who was the president of Fox when he purchased the show was not the president of Fox when we uh, finished w- it. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah. tends to happen, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pilot picked up, finish it fast. I recommend yeah. that because um, <laughs> you never know. People that like you might not stay <laughs> they there. They might not stay. <laughs> um, but the nice people at MTV liked it, and uh, and so then they they bought it. And we made the whole show for for them, uh, which was a great experience until you know obviously the hunger strike in India and uh, the show going off the air. Yeah. <laughs> That part was less fun. So you're saying you didn't enjoy? I didn't enjoy when they canceled the show. And then, did you know what show they replaced our show with? I did not. Tell me. Uh, It was a little show called Punked. No kidding. (laughs) And it got three times the ratings that our show ever did. And that was it. And literally changed the face of the network. Yeah, that was yeah. That paid a lot of uh, paychecks for like, a we long while. We are never doing narrative. Thanks for killing animation narrative again. animation for a few years, <laughs> yeah, guys. Never doing <laughs> what were we thinking? That's crazy. So was that like the first kind of huge break? I mean, you guys were super young then. That was like a big opportunity. Yeah, that we was a big very break. Young, yeah. You know, um, Bill Lawrence, who at the time was uh, just starting up the first season of Scrubs and had come off of uh, Spin City was the only we were the only people young enough for him to supervise he had just turned like 29 or something right. um, and he took us on and, and liked that idea and championed it and is the reason it got on the air and um, and Godfathered that project and basically we were I don't know 26 or something and we had a writing staff and our own TV show <laughs> and we stayed up every night uh, till four in the morning for a year and a half and and we're really proud of it. There's certain things I'm not proud of, like the Mina Suvari forehead references. Yeah. They don't hold any up very of, well anymore. Any sort of <laughs> very time pop culture specific. It'll come back around. I mean, did you did you wield power well at that young age? Did you feel like a responsibility being like, okay, I'm 26. I know I'm in a privileged position. I gotta. I gotta handle we this. We tried, right? right? Yeah, I don't think we were. We did anything too obnoxious. We, yeah, we you weren't get maniacs. No, 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 crazy no, no, no. Like we didn't go nuts. <laughs> we, we just. We're gonna live forever. <laughs> <laughs> this show's gonna be on forever. What? What? Our <laughs> grandiosity was more like we're gonna have. We're gonna run. We're gonna have the most fun writing room right. in the world. We're gonna. We had a thing called Funny Fridays, which meant that on Friday we would go to like a crazy restaurant and we were working in the valley so there are a lot of them like one we went to a russian restaurant one time that was a mafia front because they had no food and (laughs) nobody was there and there were just like two goons out front going like looking at each other like we don't know what i guess we should serve them food Uh, (laughs) it took like two hours they clearly went to the grocery store and got it was Don't bananas. Worry. But the idea was every funny I noticed Friday, you're missing some fingers, actually, yeah, now that I see it. <laughs> uh, was you had to drink during lunchtime. And then, uh, and that's why it was funny Fridays. And then, but no work would ever get done in the The first two hours after lunch were very productive. Yeah. And then yeah. everyone got real sleepy. sleepy. <laughs> well, everything seemed super funny. And, then, and everything was hilarious. Yes, and then the next day you'd look at everything like, wow, this was funny? Yes. <laughs> 
we're in the in the interim years um, between like say like Clone High and Cloudy, which is like the next huge thing, obviously that kind of got you into the, the film world. You did a, a bunch of TV things. Mm-hmm. Like one thing that jumped out, I'm, I always look for like the odd thing on the resume that I'm like, oh, that's I'm curious about that. I remember Louis Guzman yes. uh, had a sitcom. <laughs> you're, for, the one, for, for, you're the one who remembers. Well, I, I I mean I love that actor. He's amazing. He's I went I went literally went to a tribute to him here in New York oh, that really? he showed oh, really? up at. That's it, awesome. it was at Two Boots Theater, and they just like showed like a montage of all his, his work. And I didn't realize he was going to be there too. Oh my god! It was like he was there. Fifty of us and him. Oh my That's god! Awesome. He must have been pretty high. He was very high. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your what's your memory of that? Oh my god! We... He is an amazing <laughs> human being. <laughs> he, he's funny because he looks like the scariest wolf man, yeah. wolf person. And then he talks with like a real funny voice. And so and like a sweetheart Muppet where you're like, oh, it's like a monster. Oh, but he's nice. And he's, got a, he's like Elmo, basically. Right. Totally. Like when you see him in like Boogie Nights or Traffic or something, you're like, oh, I love it. Yeah. It's like a friendly and like, gay Muppet. And the, idea, the punk rock idea of casting him as the lead in, oh my a, God. in a sitcom, you know, like the, the face of a, of a leading man. We thought that oh, was like so an avant-garde oh, like, totally. art stunt. It's I like, I think... can't imagine that happening now. I can't, that must have hit at the right exact moment in both his career and some crazy executive that was like, yeah, yeah let's, Why not? let's do that. It felt, <laughs> we, we were really excited about it. This guy, Will Gluck, who's um, right. a great uh, filmmaker, funny filmmaker and a good ours. friend of ours, and he he hired us, uh, you know, as like mid-level guys on that show, and it was really like it was only the second sitcom, I guess, that we had worked on, but the first one on a uh, major network-ish. Yeah. We're moving <laughs> up the chain. We went from the WB to Fox. Nice. But anyway, no was, UPN. You skipped over UPN. We skipped over UPN. <laughs> we skipped over UPN barely. Uh, but he, we got <laughs> turned down from the UPN. <laughs> but he, which uh, show? Which show did he get? Uh, the PJs. Oh. I vaguely Murphy remember that. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, that, was that on the UPN? No, that was yeah. on Fox. No, that was no UPN. I think that was, it was on UPN. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, we. Uh, but anyway, that so one night I find myself. Were you with me? So like that show oh, was yeah. like a, a lot of great camaraderie. The writing staff was really fun. I, we loved the job because we came right off of Clone High, and we had all this responsibility. And suddenly it was like. Whatever happened, it wasn't our fault. Right. It was poor Will Gluck who had to deal Aww. with whatever consequences. <laughs> so we were having a blast, and he's a great guy to work for. And um, and one night we, uh, after taping, we all went out, and the night got later and later. And eventually, I wind up playing X Men Uno <laughs> at Louis Guzman's like <laughs> it's like condo or whatever, <laughs> which is in it's like at Hillcrest or something. It's across from the Fox lot in like. A kind of planned community, and that's where he's like living <laughs> the whole time he's like shooting the show, whatever he's like commuting from Vermont or wherever the heck he lives. So it was just like, and then at some point he gets really high, and at some point starts explaining to me the rules of X Men Uno. As, I, which I've never is played. Is it different than Uno? No, it, he's like, okay, this is a Phil, this is a mutate card, and you and you can mutate. This you use it to mutate a card from to one one card to any other card. So if it's a two, you could mutate it to a three. If it's a three, you can mutate it to a four. And he would and he just like went on and on and on. Like this is one of the most m- wonderful <laughs> nights of my life. This is why I got into the business <laughs> yes. for this moment. Fantastic. <laughs> um, how much time would you say you guys daydream a, a week of not working with the other, of just going your separate ways, <laughs> of just saying screw that guy, I don't need him. 
We're, uh, sitting le- is it, it's less than 50. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We're sleeping for a good deal of the time. That's true. If you count sleeping, it's right. way less than 50%. <laughs> <laughs> but the, is is the partnership pretty seamless? As it is, it, does it feel just sort of still organic and and just like the right fit? We yeah we uh, compare ourselves to brothers a lot because we uh, are a lot alike and we fight a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we uh, but we have a like a long standing uh, love and respect for each other. We're 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 better when we're less tired. It's true, well, right? Most yeah. of us are, and we're less stressed yeah. out. When I think when yeah. we get really stressed out and really tired, it's like it gets we have like a, a little chippy really on the hard. Hard. basketball floor. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever fought in front of the actors? Have you ever had a, a major disagreement? I don't know I that we've really that. we fought in front of the crew a couple times on this one. Um, at one time, so much so that the crew were like. We're gonna take five and let you guys work this out. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, I mean? Without you don't need to get into the nitty gritty, but like the nature of the disagreements is it literally it's just, always dumb? Yeah, it's always dumb. Like Clone High, it was like I wanted Abe Lincoln to have a squared off nose, and Chris wanted it to be a, a round. round nose, and we compromised at a rounded square <laughs> after a month of like, like aggressively I'm... drawing over each other's drawings, and then on on Clone, it was like how close. To Diplo's stage, <laughs> should the uh, fight with Channing and the, with the beer bong and the girl and stuff be amazing? Like how cl- how close did we want the stage to feel? Which, by the way, I don't think you, you can, can even, even tell. tell. And you probably couldn't have tell if it was closer. But I was arguing for it to be closer, and Chris was arguing to be further away. And it was like a matter of like yards. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and, and it was like almost came to fisticuffs. It's worth it. But when we fight, we do fight old-timey fisticuffs style. Oh, yeah. Fight yeah. Like in Gangs of New York. You both strike me as, as yeah. world-class. Yeah. Oh. That's a that's <laughs> one, physically intimidating. That's a line we'll never cross. Yeah. We'll never fight Actually, like modern style. Right, right. Like park, uh, 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 kickboxing or <laughs> yeah. something like no, that. No, 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 no. no. We'd never cross that line. It's like don't go to bed angry. Right. Yeah. Old-timey Irish fight? Only... Yes. <laughs> pistols at dawn? <laughs> yes, <laughs> only pistols. Um, um, we have, uh, I feel like, oh, oh, only a few remaining. Oh, we have a, do we have a special guest? <laughs> we're running low on time, so we're going to go straight to our wacky hat of random wacky questions. Of okay, random questions. here we go. You ready, guys? Oh All right. Okay, pick something uh, random, and uh, let's uh, weigh it in. Okay, we each do one? Yeah, whatever you want. There's no, okay, no rhyme or reason. Okay, wh- I didn't dig very deep, That's so okay. if you put anything... Like a cold envelope mm. or whatever in the front. My first celebrity crush was... Bill Lord. That's right. <laughs> you should really aspire um, higher. It was Princess Leia. Come on. There you go. It's oh, not yeah. very interesting. Or that's, that's good. That works. But not anymore. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what mine For a variety of reasons. Uh, okay. I have two. Uh, yeah. Lauren Hutton. Oh. Uh-huh. From like what, uh, Zorro the Gay Blade. <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah. I like it. The uh-huh. gap between the teeth yep. always yeah. gets me. My right. my current girlfriend, Irene, has a gap between her teeth. I was going to say, you must have a thing for Paul Shear. Yeah. And I have a massive <laughs> thing for Paul Shear. Oh, my God. I cannot. And when Andy Samberg first came on the scene, look out. <laughs> it was like all gaps. It's like a bunch of little chicklets of adorable. You should start a website if there isn't one already. I'm sure there is. I got favorite childhood TV show. Okay. This is a good one to end on. What do you guys got? Um, greatest American Hero. Oh, oh wow. Of course. Wow. Yeah. Hard to beat that what one. What a kiss ass. <laughs> Um, Is it kiss ass? Am I William Cat's son? What it was like? <laughs> <laughs> um, wait and see. Uh, and then there's a. I don't know. I don't know what mine would have been. 
favorite. Barney Miller? Is that weird? Really? <laughs> okay. All right. You, I was going to say, you were a prematurely old man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's crazy. Fair enough. It was that more works. probably closer to like Welcome Back Cotter or something. Right, or maybe like Perfect Strangers. Or Electric Company. <laughs> I guess in fairness, it was Electric Company. You're a man of many interests. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we've learned a lot about you gentlemen today. Uh, congratulations, as always, on, on the new film. Oh, it's, it's, really it's a good nice one. And uh, you're welcome. Josh Katie is one of the first people who ever uh, condescended to interview us. <laughs> he stooped down to it, was, it was a horrible idea then it's it was a horrible a idea now yeah. no it's always great, good to catch up with you guys great way to <laughs> yes mission accomplished <laughs>